Did we do dames? <laughs> <laughs> so this morning's Dharma talk is a, uh, had considerations about using that topic because it's not easy to talk about this. So it's something that I kind of understand. So that's why I'm endeavoring to put it into words or concepts or ideas. So would really appreciate some questions around this as we go along. I'll go ahead and start. I really want to talk about uh, the teaching that comes out of Yogacara or Vijnanabhada, the mind, uh, consciousness only, mind only, perception only, yada, yada. Uh, and about the seventh consciousness, that area of the consciousness, and it's not actually an, an area so much as it's a dynamic that consciousness does that we call the seventh consciousness. Just like we have the eight, which is the storehouse or the, the gathering place of all the stuff that arises. And the dispensing uh, area also, gathering and dispensing, comes and goes completely impersonal. So the title, is, did I give the title yet? Oh, well, you go ahead and give it. Hidden conceit. It's an aspect of the seventh consciousness, which is which is that area, the klesha mind. That difficulty, the three root kleshas are uh, ignorance, uh, passion, aggression, and ignorance, basically. And that area uh, that is called pride or conceit is something that I see show up here, this consciousness, and I see it show up uh, in others. But it's very difficult to point out in uh, what, we, what we might say is an effective way so it actually reaches uh, the person in such a way so that they resonate with that and kind of understand what you're saying rather than defend against what you're saying. It's called, what's that called? It's a real fancy word. Communication, that's right. Communication. You know, before you communicate, you need to really listen. And then when you do communicate, you need to be really aware of who you're talking to. You need to be aware of, of as many causes and conditions that are around there, including does this person even train their mind? And if this person trains their mind, are they actually training their mind? There's, the causes and conditions are so incredibly complicated that trying to find something that caused something else is just confusing. Uh, if you want, if you are after, if you would like to get some kind of proof. So it's, this aspect of, of all the different, uh, the four different uh, self-reference, uh, self-love, uh, self, uh, self uh, pride of self is one of them. And the fourth one is what? Yeah. Thanks. I'm sorry, I didn't hear that. Self-delusion. You notice how I always let you do one of those. Yeah. You know why? Thank you. Because I forget. Yeah. I'm not trying to do something special. So that conceit area is interesting because it actually functions in a way that it, it gives you it gives you a kind of a perfume of not realization but understanding. It's it's like I understand. It's just pride. It's conceit. And even though you can see it in someone, you might when I say might, you probably are going to be able to see it in others before you see it in yourself. There's some questions about that. There's a bunch of them. Say to 
is anything that we attribute to a self a conceit? It could be. That's that anytime you do anything with that area, to try to explain it, try to reveal it, try to uncover it, try to do anything, with it, it validates it on a on a very low vibration that is easy to, you know, to use a visual metaphor to just kind of hide around the corner. You know, because it's like it gets some kind of credential from being acknowledged so that it can continue to add into uh, the the kind of uh, authority. Uh, it it it, uh, it mimics authority. But for for the questions, there's a couple other ones. Sheldon, how can we reveal this this inconceit to ourselves? So, set, set, set. a lot of sitting, and the sitting doesn't. Uh, not talking about rigid, you know, uh, being mean to yourself. Sitting. I'm sitting. I'm talking about sitting that is sincere, but also is not. Uh, rough and rugged. We're not out west. We're not in the 13th century. Uh, we're not, but it's something that 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 doesn't go against what our social situation is about, but also doesn't comply with it or go along with it or use that to make excuses for not training your mind. That's why we have a place like this because this environment seems to be really helpful. Whether you, as I'm sure you know, whether you're a Buddhist, you think of yourself as a Buddhist, you don't have to make any promises to me. You want to come here and practice, sit down, face the wall, and find out who you are, you're welcome. I don't care what your religious orientation is. So I think it takes persistence, and it takes strong, strong mind training. It also takes uh, conceptual training, reading the, what the, these very teachings that I am endeavoring to talk about are not easy. They're, they're conceptual, otherwise they can't go into a language. Um. You said that you might see pride out there before you see it here. You might. Do we need to see something over there before we're able to recognize it? So fundamentally, I just say it fundamentally using concept. Fundamentally, there is no over there. There is no over here. Those are that's part of the fuel of, of separation that continue. Those those are their assumptions. What is an assumption? Hidden. All assumptions are hidden, just like anyone that says they're not prejudiced is uh, they don't know it, but they're lying. Prejudice is everywhere all the time. It's uh, personalized ignorance. Michael. If we see defensiveness arise in, in, some, in some form of justification, is there a way to see um, what's behind that? I think the way you see what's behind it is you look right at it rather than look for it. So because looking for it tends to cause us to shift around and start to look around for something. So whatever's arising, that's actually, what the cover-up is actually it. Just has a different shape, tune, metaphor, uh, height, weight, uh, depth, texture, on and on. It will look like something else, something else, something else. Yes? Whenever that sort of situation arises for me, I that usually turns into some sort of guilt. Mm -hmm. Is there um, any action required? But guilt is just another word for pride. It has to be looked at. I mean, you have to. You have to. Um, it has to become personal for you, uh, rather than just something you learned out of a book. That suddenly you see how that concept applies. Like the word anger and watching somebody get angry seem pretty accurate. 
But what you're talking about there is much more subtle. Joseph. Um, is not understanding or believing that you don't understand also a form of conceit? Somewhat. I think I understand where you're going, but uh, it can be a too strong of a reference point if you try to to work with it in that way, like try to convince yourself that you're the Buddha, that kind of thing. Or think that, so one of the ways it shows up is thinking that since we hear we're already the Buddha, everything is already perfect, why do anything? Sometimes we hear that. Uh, so, if this conceit is revealed to us, is that going to come in a form of some kind of a aha or oh? Or... Probably not for you. I'm not kidding. No. It may for someone else, but it's always the le- aha or or oh my gosh, or what what was I missing? It's always the leading edge of uh, ignorance. It's just the leading edge of it. It's a very interesting area. When I say not, probably not for you, I'm not picking on you personally. I'm just saying that just saying it that way. Train your mind. Hold still. Find time to do it. Find time at home. Find time here. Sit down. Hold still. Hold everything still that you can. Call it meditation. Call it uh, uh, chicken, uh, chicken gravy. Call it whatever you want, but do that and watch what moves until you begin to understand yourself using these formulas of the, the eight consciousnesses, whatever for other formulas, whatever the the 12 links, anything that helps you see the way the structure is working. So you can just have some kind of, when you come out of the, I don't know what's happening into something, or you know something is happening. See if one of those shows up. See if one of those concepts shows up to help you go deeper down into uh, what doesn't show up. I'm not trying to be obscure. I'm just, I was just kind of haunted by this this morning when I kept thinking, I, no, I should just pick something like, uh, uh, what is that one I do all the time, clouds in a basket? Number four, clouds in a basket, number four. Wasn't that it? I'm asking that girl. Go ahead. What do you mean you were haunted by it? Uh, When I would see it, it was, uh, it wouldn't, uh, when I would see it, it it, it was uh, persistent. And it was, uh, um, it's formless. It doesn't have a form, it doesn't have a concept. Even even uh, the concept of uh, of the uh, I made up that hidden conceit, but it comes out of the the pride of self. Pride of self is easy to say, easy to talk about, and I've given deeper deeper aspects of that. And a lot of people that I work with personally and closely, uh, that's that's an area that shows up quite a bit. It's that area where I I can't can't even say anything about it. So I'm saying about it in a in a generic way. So, sent you. What is it about pride that's so hard to see? I think that um, that that's it. (laughs) It's a good. It's a good question. I think it's it's the, the artificiality of it that that we that we think is actually us. We actually think that is us. And, and our, just like uh, if you have uh, uh, strong feelings of sympathy for someone else, 
look closely at that. Sympathy. Look, look closely at that. Uh, what, what did Trungpa Rinpoche call it? Uh, grandmother's compassion. Look very closely at that. That's pride. It's, I mean, it's, a, it's turned upside down uh, in a sense. It's not sitting back all puffed up. It's, it's, uh, it's deflated on behalf of others because others are so, so suffering. And you, if I may say it this way, are full of baloney and not the good kind, not grass fed. <laughs> so, I mean, you're, you're, you, we, we, we take that, that seeing something and rather than actually just being with what is happening, we actually separate ourselves from it and bring uh, light into our own presence, our own being, so we can be the person who is so sorry for that. If you, if you see that, if you see it, you know, you may see it in, your, in yourself, but if you see it in others, it's kind of, it's kind of sickening. You know, but you, how, do you, how do you say anything if somebody seems to be sincere, seems to be genuine, is actually talking about, oh, that's such a terrible thing. But actually, it's, it's actually in the way of their awakening because they are actually hooked on their own uh, perception, which is actually a projection. Yes. So if that's the case, why can't you say anything about it when you see it in us? I'm saying it. I'm talking about it, right? Thank, that's a good question. Thank you for that. I'm saying it. But I can't to say it to you directly. Uh, that may happen. I may just knock you on your ass. Probably not. I would be in Zen court <laughs> somewhere. What I mean, I, I I might I might come at you in in a way that uh, that I would not plan, but would happen out of the mutuality of the situation. I'm functioning as a teaching person. You're functioning as a learning person. And if that is showing up in a certain way, then you might, um, you know, I, I have to watch uh, the situation from this position so that it doesn't become parental. That stuff just really doesn't work. But it, what does it do? It gives the illusion that it's working. It's all over the place. Those in control or like parents quite often are training their kids. I can see you had a good upbringing. Well, not grass fed. No, Grass-fed. Stupid joke. Yes. Akaran has a question. Yes, Akaran. Are you saying that if I understand something, it is conceit? Yes. <laughs> That's the kind of help I need. I, I can't say that. I, I mean, I could say that, sure, but when that comes from this situation, then I can say, yes, that's very close. I couldn't do this if I understood what was going on in, in the conventional sense of understanding how, uh, how uh, a two-stroke two engine works, which I do understand how they work. I've never been able to fix one, but <laughs> I know how they work. Uh, the understanding is a rel very relative area that's relative, relative, relevant, and it starts to move outside of that and starts to stain that which cannot be touched, which is, or we assume can't be touched, which is our 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 selfhood, our, our our that aspect of the consciousness that looks like it's somebody, but it needs that support, it needs that push, it needs that pull, it needs that. It can't just. You, you've noticed if you sit on the cushion much, pretty difficult to do that for any length of time without some kind of a snack reward. Choose on. Seems like we have some control over our attention and of our bodies. Is yes. that part of that seventh consciousness dynamic? Is it the seventh consciousness? 
I think that's some of that starts out that way because the ego thinks thinks uh, the the self-centered mind that which is not it's not separate from the whole thing so it's functioning it's just that it's it doesn't realize uh, there's no realization that it's not going to as Rinpoche used to say it's not going to be able to attend its own funeral or see that it never existed which is similar to a funeral and that it never was real so therefore you don't have to fight with it but you you do have to see it. And, and you, you'll get you. What makes it so challenging is you don't get any proof. You don't get anything. Any, you don't even. Uh, even your your teacher is probably by the time you understand is probably dead. You can't even tell them. I see. You think I see what you were talking about? Kyoto. If we see the hidden conceit, will we still function in that way? If you really see it thoroughly, it may it may go on for. Uh, it may have a, a kind of uh, uh, because the lack of interfering in an apparent other uh, stops. So, but it doesn't mean that 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 other doesn't have some uh, some momentum that started in a different situation or a different time or have some kind of energy. But you wouldn't interfere with it. You're not trying to get a credential. You're not trying to live up to a standard. You're trying to see what is true, and that may come back in the form of. Uh, a, you know, bottomless, bottomless pit, as far as ego is concerned. So it may or may not. More? Mike, Michael? Juju. Ev has a question. Is, creden Evelyn? is credential seeking a form of conceit? Yeah, it's, it's a little bit more obvious one. So it's, that's not the particular kind I'm talking about so much. We all kind of know that that might have some, but also you might might need a credential to uh, to do you know, to be a doctor. To be a you want to be a doctor, you want to be a surgeon, you want to be a massage therapist. You want to be, might need some kind of credentials. So fundamentally, you can work within the community and, and so on. But it would vary. But it's not that's not exactly that's not the kind I'm talking about. Uh, is there something we can do to begin to prepare ourselves to receive more direct pointing out from the teacher? I think the, the sitting practice meditation and doing a lot of that, or doing, I say, a lot. Uh, that's the only thing I can think of to, to do that, to just continue to look at that and, and, and actually uh, look at those teachings and use uh, the structures there to just to remind you that you, you might not have... Uh, might not have looked deep enough. If you think you've looked, you come to a conclusion about it, then that's, you've just stopped looking at it. There's a, a metaphor, or not a metaphor, but a Zen story, I probably can't. I'm just gonna mention it because I think the, the image there is quite accurate, though I'm not particularly a good storyteller, especially if it's somebody else's story. Um, the old teacher is uh, sitting around the fire and the young student is there and and they're poking around. Does anybody know this story where they're poking around in the ashes? And the teacher asks if the if the fire is out, and the, the student pokes around in there for half a minute or so and said, "Fire is out." And the teacher reaches down with some tongs and put pulls out a hot coal. So uh, it's like you didn't really look closely enough. So you mean that? <laughs> I just think it's a matter of continuing. I think it's very, I think it's a matter of just continuing, continue, continuing to relate to the three jewels of Buddha, the Dharma, and the Sangha. 
in as strong and clear a way as possible. There are other ways uh, that people awaken. Some people awaken with no path. They just, they're, you know, I call them uh, uh, spontaneous realizers who just by the circumstances they're born into, suddenly they have a breakthrough. And that they may they may uh, deepen and strengthen that breakthrough, or they may just make an assumption about it and go out and think they're a Dharma teacher. Seems like uh, maybe the only response that you can give to a how question is to sit more. Mm-hmm. But it still seems like people could practice for 30, 40, 50 years and still have that pride situation. Yes. So does something else need to happen off the cushion? I think it varies a lot. But it's a good question. I would say that uh, it seems to be necessary, at least as far as our path, I don't know about other paths, but as far as our path goes, it seems to be necessary to, uh, one of the most difficult parts of the three jewels is the Sangha. Because other people are working on their karma and their difficulty, and and you try to uh, communicate, uh, cooperate, collaborate, and it just doesn't work. It's just abrasive. But you're actually seeing the way your mind works. You're not you might be seeing the way somebody else isn't doing what you think they should do to help out in the Sangha or, or whatever it may be. But it seems like the Sangha is very, very important to have a, com- have a community where there are 15, 20, 100, however many people who are all functioning under a particular teaching per- person situation and so on as, uh, as, uh, as the Buddhas, the teachings of the Buddha um, and those, that particular formula has been around for a while. It seems like uh, all three of those, studying the Dharma, which we do, uh, comparatively speaking, we probably study more as a group than any Sangha I've ever been in. And I've been in a few. A few more questions online. Hakaran has another. If we feel guilty, you say that is pride. Is this because we are securing our self by feeling guilty? Yeah, you can, you can say it like that. It can show up like that. Having an emotion about what's happening and which confirms that that must be happening. Look into it. See if there's anyone there that that is to blame. Even the basic Buddhist teaching is all dharmas are without blame. You can't find praise and blame or extra. That's just how we tend to function in a relative way. It's not that you shouldn't say, you did a good job. Uh, it's not that you shouldn't hear someone say you did a good job, but it should be seen just as it is. Nothing extra put on top of it. Yes. You had something? Not online, but um, so is it possible for the Sangha then to point out this hidden conceit? They they might be better at it than the than the uh, than the, the teacher because the because the assumption assumptions are so so strong. So yeah, they might be able to. But they might not be able. Might, they might just interact in such a way that they might not be deliberately saying you're conceited or not saying that necessarily. But just uh, the activity, the abrasiveness there, needs to be seen as a teaching. If you have to become a student all the time, every minute, every second, you have to always be on receive. Yes, sir. When you say the saga might be able to point it out better than the teacher, I'm just wondering about how they might go about doing that without it becoming every time you see somebody doing something, you're, oh, you're doing this or you're doing that. Yeah, yeah that, that's totally not what I meant. What I meant is just just the, the no particular person just being in that abrasive situation. You know, you've lived here eight years. You know what it's like to be with Sangha. 
day after day after day. Most people don't. Most people are, you know, are somewhere else living a life separate from, uh, and they might join the study group now and then, or, and, which is a good idea, but to actually live and operate is, seems to be very uh, powerful. Uh, Michael? Is there an opposite side to pride? Well, uh, the way we're the, the puffed up part where we think we're kind of really kind of, you know, obviously better than everybody else um, are really, it's like, it feels like a fact that we, we rock, walk around and we might practice, we might do lots of things, we might be working on ourselves, we try, might be aware of, uh, of, of no self, no other, might be aware of those concepts, but we, we really can't get we can't get a, a, an angle that actually shows that there's uh, there's some kind of uh, fluffiness to that, or some kind of a shininess to our who we are. And then the, it's just to go the opposite part of it is to feel terrible. We're not worth anything. We're we're a terrible person. We've made terrible mistakes. We've done it. It's and it, that's a little bit more sneaky area. But it's also hard to see that because it feels that emotions feel so genuine, just like the emotion of feeling that comes in and say, well, obviously, I'm the one who knows this. It's like we all probably know somebody. Maybe it's in the mirror. We know somebody who actually has certain areas that are impenetrable that have to do with who you think you are. It's it's uh, difficult. Trunk uh, Rinpoche said it has to be. Uh, taken apart one brick at a time so you can't just knock it over so that metaphor too is uh, it's a metaphor so it might not work so well or it might give something else again. Uh, go, you can so in, in taking this apart one brick at a time it seems like the four afflictions are all kind of feeding into each other so is delineating those part of that process it could be yeah, using that and just looking looking at those four and uh, and you know maybe there's eight, maybe there's only three and a half. You know maybe there's. I mean, you could actually make it part rather than just believe what you're hearing. You could actually use that. Look at it yourself. See if see if it holds up. Yes. How do we do that without concluding something about it? Uh, you, you don't have to, as I say, over and over again. When I say don't conclude, I know you can't stop concluding because I conclude. So I know that if I say don't conclude that your awareness goes to the, the area that sees that those conclusions happen. So a conclusion where there's awareness about the conclusion, then you actually see all uh, the pinstriping and the, and the fancy uh, fenders and, and new tires and everything you use, uh, cook uh, food images. Uh, you know, you, you see the way that all is. And so therefore you're more, you're more uh, aware of the, of the, all, all of the uh, the, um, the interstices and the, the, the various part moving parts and not moving parts of that. The, the way you're, you get more and more aware. It's always about awareness, never about concluding anything. You get caught in the trap of conclusions, then it's it's a circular. You conclude and you exclude. You conclude, you exclude. You receive, you produce. You receive, you produce. I say as much as you can, just receive. What does that do? That puts you right into seeing how much you keep producing. Oscar? How will one know when it's not conceited or does it matter at all? Yeah, there, yeah, it doesn't matter. Yeah, you wouldn't, you wouldn't, that dynamic would no longer work. It only works as a way of talking about teaching. 
but yeah, there'll be no conclusion. There's no concluder. There's no there, uh, a con something may show up as a conclusion, but it wouldn't last because it's not looking for anything. Not looking for something else. It's not looking for a pat on the back. It's not looking for a stamp of approval. It's uh, it's just uh, just showing up that way, out of causes and conditions, uh, and without any any other dynamic, any polarity to it, particularly. And then that, 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 blah. the other way that I sometimes say it is you won't know. But also you will not be concerned because your understanding has gone beyond knowing and not knowing. Yes. You... Two questions from Shane in California. How does the untrained mind react when it encounters formlessness? Formlessness? I think it depends on the... Uh, the causes and conditions of karma that's coming into that, I would say just basically um, to become frightened, uh, to fill it up with a bunch of conclusions about it, um, to think of it as a relative emptiness, it's empty of something. So it could be all kinds of ways. The second question, what changes in the mind that is trained? Uh, relatively everything and ultimately nothing. And I'm not trying to be vague. Relatively, everything just flipped over or turned around. Like it says in the tradition, uh, turning around at the basis of consciousness. It's just a kind of a corny way of getting you to keep practicing. But fundamentally, nothing occurs. Question from Karen in New Zealand. Oh, good. I like New Zealand. I've never been there. Who is the... Who is the I appearing to teach us? Who is the I appearing to teach us? And I is in quotations. Who is the I appearing to, appearing to teach us? Moi? <laughs> uh, I don't know. Not interested in it. I mean, literally, don't. I have no idea. I wouldn't even know how to say that. I could say a lot of relative things, but, but there's no way to. I don't know. I really don't know. Yes. What is the connection between a feeling of separateness, maybe in the sangha, or between people, and hidden conceit? Not, not exactly. That might you might be that might be being aware of the conceit. That might be actually some kind of some kind of approach. If you're if that's starting to arise and hasn't been there, uh, then that might be going in the direction of that. Maybe. What do you think? Good question. I think it's difficult for me personally when I see someone else that I feel like they're doing and then trying to reflect, well, if I'm not separate from them, what is the connection between this thing I identify as myself and what that other person is doing? If embarrassment comes up, if we are able to see our own pride, does that embarrassment cover up something that we need to see? Yeah, it, 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 yes, good one, good one. Ask me more about it, can you ask me more? You help me some more, because I want to go there. Anything else about it? That all has to be is one word, two words, not much. If you have nothing, just tell me. If we see the embarrassment, is it, how do we look into it further? By not by not uh, coming to a conclusion about it, and if you practice looking at conclusions, that might be a time when you can hold your horses. 
grass fed. And uh, when I say that, I'm saying that, that that point of embarrassment comes up. That's another cover up. We are determined we're not going to see this. We're determined we're not going to we're not going to uncover that wonderful thing called me. Get rid of that. We we're going to need that. But what if we what if we what if there isn't anybody? This is still looking pretty scary. I'm going to need this to depend on. So what if that happens? I'm saying out here what is real and what is valuable and what's ultimately uh, a Buddha in the palm of your hand is never threatened. You can't threaten that, but you can certainly run away from it or or disbelieve it or throw dirt on it. Or you can you can when you're doing it, you're turning away from your own wisdom mind. You just that that intense embarrassment that comes up that wants to be moved or stopped or justified or abandoned or something, just feel that. Just be embarrassed. If you actually are embarrassed and don't have the name for embarrassment, it'll just be a it'll be difficult feelings. But you might not know what it is, where it comes from. The, the dynamic that we would have maybe have here as uh, we're talking about it, it's it's just not there. It just does not feel good. But it's the, it's the other end or the other side of pride. Anytime you make any statement about anything, you create its opposite. This is a it's a desire realm, and it's made up of this and that, and this and that, and this and that. So anytime you say this, you've got that. Go ahead. If, if everything we do is a cover-up, then how do we look at anything directly? So just see that it's indirect. Just notice, notice the, notice the way you, you something shows up, and and you do something with it. And something else goes away, and you do something with it. It's a uh, the, the words I've been using lately. They change every now and then is uh, a receiving and producing, receiving, receiving, receiving. And then we start producing, producing thoughts, ideas. Someone walks in a room. Oh, next time you're sitting in a room by yourself and someone walks in the room, just notice how how much production and how much receiving is going on, how much you're actually receiving that and how much you're producing on top of it. Someone walks in uh, with a red shirt or with a, a bag of donuts or with, with anything, uh, or without anything, or looking a certain way, or someone you've you never met before, someone you know, someone who should be, you thought was someone or else, all those things, just notice the way that the first thing is there's that first thought, as Trung Rinpoche often talked about, just that first uh, perception uh, is it. And then we, can, then we just immediately start mixing it up with all of our ideas about it, all validated through relative truth. And you can find there's reasons why we do that, but it's unnecessary. It is an addition, and a lot of the motivation or the the, the fire under that comes from uh, fear of not wanting to be, uh, uh, not not wanting that kind of openness. It's just too threatening to that area, that pride area, that self-centered area, which shows up as pride, shows up as self-reference, shows up as self-love, shows up as uh, self-delusion. Sure. So in a really simplistic way that I see that, I want to know if I might be understanding that right. Sitting here, maybe in the Zendo, somebody comes in and I hear something and I'm trying to figure out who it is by their mannerisms, their breathing or something. Is it that trying to figure out who it is and not necessarily just allowing to be like, okay, somebody just came in and sat down. So what you just said, okay, somebody just came in and sat down. 
That's the extra part. That's the extra part. The other part. Mm -hmm. Go ahead. On top of that is me trying to figure out who is it. <laughs> so that's just that's natural. That's that's just a natural, uh, a natural situation. The, the other one is an extra we're adding on, trying to be somebody or not be somebody. So this is why it's so important to just observe what happens rather than control or add on or because that it's not that the little tiny movements aren't something, but that little bitty piece of pride that we don't see because of the just the nature of that that kind of thing just expands and take takes can take over your life and run your life more. So did I give you a right or wrong? So what are you gonna do? I like that. <laughs> Good idea. Michael. Couldn't trying to figure out who wanted the Zendo be searching for some sort of credential being right? If it's just a, if you just flash on it, it's just natural you're sitting here and somebody walks in and flash on that. But but to do to extend it or do anything with it or spend much time roiling around and then then we're getting into some needing some kind of a reference point for everything. So it's the idea of being aware that you're doing that, not so much stopping doing it. It's just a misunderstanding, and it's, it's all over the place. Robert, um, if if you see somebody's handwriting, I, I know you've done handwriting analysis, mm -hmm. and you have some understanding. How does that function in terms of yeah. looking into that process? Okay, understanding so, or not understanding. Okay, that's a good one. So I, as somebody you know, I studied uh, handwriting analysis uh, amongst uh, 30, 40 other odds and ends. Uh, trying to figure out what this is, what's going on, who am I, what's what's important, what's not important. And so uh, that's something I don't do anymore. I don't sit down with somebody and tell them about their handwriting unless they threaten me <laughs> that I might. But uh, same way with astrology or palmistry or I Ching or tarot or all of that. I, you know, I just let it come and go. When I say let it, I just don't do much with it. But as you, when you ask about it, uh, I can say, uh, when I look, I look at the basic situation. So if I, if I, uh, without even thinking about it, because I've done it so much. So uh, when I see if somebody's handwriting is very small, very, very tiny, uh, like I'm actually training people to, to write very tiny, to write the sutras. Those of you who know, uh, every morning for an hour, we're, uh, what is the letter height that you're supposed to write at? You know, no? Tiny? Yeah. So that 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 it's just a, a body motion. It's just a way of, uh, uh, and it's not. There's no there's no plan to do that. So I'm just saying I see, but I but if I see somebody's to be more directly direct about your responding to your question, if I see somebody's writing that's very tiny, um, just one trait, uh, it just means concentration. Then I just I don't do anything with it. I just notice it. If I see someone else's writing that has a lot of garlands. Someone else's writing has a lot of uh, sharp angles at the baseline. No, that's an analytical person. It's like check marks. And that person whose handwriting is quite garlanded um, they might have a little bit, bit of difficulty, but basically they'll be they'll go along with things. They're easy, more easygoing. So those kinds of things just show up. I spend no time on it. I don't necessarily pick it up and say, mm -hmm. you know, the magnifier, but like I did 50, 60 years ago. But I, I still see a little bit of that. Is that what you're asking, or is there some other dynamic? Um, no, no, you're addressing what I was asking. Okay. Um, but it, the question keeps going. Um, yeah. Um, 
because it seems like there's some kind of process having to do with seeing into things yeah. like reading the highlights or the, yeah. the symbols. It's kind of a living thing that um, clamping down on a particular understanding would kill. On the other hand, there's a kind of openness to understanding, which also seems to function. And I was just wondering about if you can yeah. say anything about that process. I would say, uh, uh, like, like I sometimes say in here, I said, study the material. And sometimes I'll have people say, well, or get nervous because they can't remember anything. I says, that's not what I'm asking you to do. Well, you know, I even say, I must have said it dozens of times. Forget everything I said. Don't believe anything I said. It's not about grasping onto anything. It's about awareness. And so, you know, uh, just like with astrology, I studied astrology, maybe not as much as you have, but I've studied it quite a bit. And as Gilkado has, and I think those are very good uh, symbols. Several other people are studying it. I think it's a, it has a good, uh, it seems to work pretty well uh, in terms of, as long as you don't try to squeeze too much information out of it and clamp down, as you said, use your word. And just use it a bit. The thing is about things like that, when they show up, they seem to be pretty buoyant as far as uh, helping us see deep, more deeply. But if you try to put any, I'm sure you noticed this, if you try to put any, uh, don't put any money on any of those horses because they are not going to show up because reality is not predictable. I mean, the whole idea of predictability is a misunderstanding because you're actually assuming there's such a thing as time. Just because you see things go in circles or uh, like this, that does not mean there's time. A clock is not something that came out of the ground that we picked and put on the wall. <laughs> but, did you have a question? No, no, go ahead, Robert. Oh, um, I, I was just thinking about what Jung said about symbols that if you could put it in words, it wouldn't be a symbol. But there's something inexhaustible about the symbol, and that that to me that has something to do with some kind of process of seeing things. No, good one. Yeah, I think so. And that's why I, when I say don't conclude, you know, it's not that you can't can't help but conclude. But if you if you endeavor to look at the conclusion part, uh, and or just like the production or the reception part, you get a more intimate look, not based on some kind of subjectivity not based on some kind of artificial objectivity. You just get, you, you don't really realize it. Um, you may not realize it, but you're not really separate from anything. And to understand that does not mean you you feel like nobody. It's, it might be better to say you feel like everybody. You feel like there isn't any, you don't have any enemies. You don't even have any friends. There's no friends, no enemies. There isn't anybody else. Doesn't mean there isn't anybody else but you. It just means there isn't anybody else. Therefore you can be friends uh, even love them you can, in, 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 a, in the conventional kind of way. And you can also be uh, an absolute, what's the word I used yesterday? <laughs> an absolute meaning. I think it was, I think it started with a D, but I came out of it. An absolute meaning to other somebody else without any follow-up, no guilt, no nothing, no explanation. You don't need to explain yourself to anybody, in particular to yourself. Knock it off. Just uh, be genuine. Live your life. The, the karma that comes up that feels negative that you think you got to get rid of, you should look closely at it because that's that's your life. That's your message. That's your spiritual path. That's your that's your lesson in this incredible three ring classroom. So do you mean like ornaments, which it is pleasant to wear? I do. Kind of I mean that. Yeah. Well said. I. I Seemed like somebody else said something very similar. To that. No, I just made that. Up. <laughs> <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs>
Robert. Choo-choo. <laughs> A question from Susan. Yes. Can making art, music, and writing be hidden conceit, or can these be a legitimate path? Does it reinforce delusion? I, I think you know everything. Everything you've said. I think it could be any one of those, just because you're producing something. But if there's a strong me who's producing uh, a strong that, then it seems to even if someone inherits or or brings into this life a really powerful ability to just natural sense of balance. Um, some people are just gifted. They come in and they're, they're gifted musicians. They're gifted. They just have a natural gift. The upside of that is they're gifted. The downside is uh, it, can get, it can turn into conceit very easily because they haven't had to really, excuse me, work for it or struggle to get get that understanding because they, they've kind of, you know, they can just uh, make stuff. Uh, you'll notice, or you might notice, if you look in different people's lives, that people have uh, uh, people who are born with that will have times when they do very well. I always think of uh, Tiger Woods, who just did wonderfully all along, and then suddenly had this big, huge slump. I think he's come back a little bit lately, but um, and, and didn't know what do you do with that? You just it just stopped working so well. There's quite a few artists who, in their early years, were just, especially some of the German expressionist painters, were just astonishing. Uh, what they were producing. It was just astonishing work. But then later on, it was okay, but it wasn't, didn't have the power of the early work. Um, Ernst Ludwig Kirchner. Kirchner is one of them, I'm thinking. And, uh, had powerful, when he was a young man, had powerful ability. So, uh, Dharma said, I think when you're, uh, Susan, when, she, when you're asking that question, I would just say so variable. It's like, it's like 15 people all producing art, all meditators, all producing art, and all producing completely different kinds of uh, expressions of their neurosis, uh, exp expressions of their understanding of the of the of the um, dependent origination of everything. And uh, it's just, I think it's just, I don't think you can come up, I can come up with a statement about, at least I can't, a statement about that. There are times when it's, it's going to be complete. Uh, but if you're an artist, you should make art. How do you know if you're an artist? You make stuff. How if you, it's like I sometimes say, only meant to be helpful. Writers write and art, artists art. So that's how you know. Well, you know if, you, if you're not making art, you're probably not. It's different with a meditator. If, once you're a meditator, you're just a meditator. It's not meditating. <laughs> you don't get off the hook. Once you start meditating, once you sit down and get a, a good taste of, of, of what this is, even if you don't meditate again, uh, too late. Sheldon. When we, when we have to know stuff, when we, when we have to correct people or explain things, is it the conceit that's behind that? More about that? You have an example? Hmm. One more question. Michael. What prideful thing led you to this talk today? What prideful thing? Mm -hmm. um, I don't know. How's it look to you? Do I seem kind of full of myself? Not today. <laughs> <laughs> Other days you have. <laughs> really? 
Why didn't you point that out to me? I don't think it's my place to point that out to you, you because then that would be very prideful on my part. <laughs> um, you're incorrect. How, how, how's it look now? <laughs> <laughs> it's the, it's the, I'll say one thing. I'll say one thing about it. It's not that you're incorrect. You could be. It's just that that I, uh, I when I say I, I say me, you. I'm telling you the same thing for your own life. Don't be concerned about how you appear, about how or any position. All those positions are unreal. And and if you realize that, if the consciousness realize if if consciousness realizes that, if you just see perception only, you won't attach to anything. You won't attach to your own judgments, you won't attach to others, you also won't stop them. So the judgments I sometimes say, the emotions keep coming, they get even stronger. When they find out there's no there's no solid self-grasping there, you could get swamped by emotions from the uh, from the ninth century that you've been able to hide out from. And now you're pretty much uh, dead meat. Go ahead. So does that mean that there's uh, really... It is. Thank you. He said pridefully. <laughs> <laughs> and now we'll pridefully ask for money. We still have our boxes in the hallway and certainly appreciate all the financial help that you're able to I'll, I'll have to send talk about your pride. <laughs> Thank you as always for your support. May it merit this penetrating to all places so that we and every sentient being together can realize the Buddha's way. The ten directions of three worlds, all Buddhas, all venerable ones. Bodhisattvas, Mahasattvas, the great Prajna, Paramita. O Buddhas and Bodhisattvas of the Ten Directions and the Three Times, please hear us. Please come down out of the light and protect Soka Koji Buddhist Temple Monastery, our Sangha, families, friends, and visitors. Heal everyone who is unhappy, sick, or suffering and fill them with light. 